welcome in to another episode of the Warriors of Lust podcast, the ninth episode of the Warriors of Lust podcast. Today's topic, we are talking about stereotypes in the Final Fantasy XIV community. My name is the enemy of innocence, sucking way, Callie Page. And I am the insatiable Duraka Drake. And I am the Temptress of Fate, Serena Hima. And we are your Warriors of Lust. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Hope you are all having just a fantastic week so far. As we are sitting down to record this, it is actually two weeks in the past because I have currently left the country and am not actually here as of right now. This is a very meta episode. But we wanted to have an episode come out while I was gone. We didn't want to have a, a, just you know disappear off the face of the earth for a couple of uh, a couple of weeks while I was celebrating my wonderful honeymoon. So we have an episode for you today talking about stereotypes in Final Fantasy fourteen in the community especially. It's a very important topic and unfortunately one that does impact our game, I feel like more than a lot of MMOs out there. Uh it, but one that we definitely need to chat about. First of all though, Jiraku, how you doing today? I have a little bit of a cough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Go figure. Mm-hmm. That's never happened before. I, no. I can't I can't imagine how this could have possibly been the case. And I definitely <laughs> didn't have a cough when we recorded the previous episode yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it, listen, you got a cough. We all know why. We don't say it because we're polite individuals here and not at all an X-rated show, but we know what happened. Uh, Serena, how are you doing? I'm good. I have a prediction that I will be return to normal <laughs> you're gonna be return- little- ah that's right you have been uh uh rocking the uh the, you've been chasing the green dragon on uh on fantasia yes i have <laughs> so the irony being that she's not a green dragon because of the fantasia exactly yeah. <laughs> well she's usually a purple dragon to be fair uh it's crazy because uh my character kelly has three fantasia on her uh, she's never bought one. They are the three Fantasia that she uh, has been given throughout the existence of this game. Because when the Aura were first introduced into the game, we were all given a Fantasia. When we completed, I think, A Realm Reborn, we were all given a Fantasia. So mm-hmm. like, she, we've been given Fantasia a couple times throughout the existence of the game. And Callie just has all three of them still sitting on her person. She's never popped one. Escalia, my other character, on the other hand, has is, has been just everything she's been, ringer. <laughs> she's, she's been a miko she's been an aura she's been a Hure. then she was a femru then she was a bun bun and now she's back to being a miko so she has been oh sorry and then she was an elizin and then she now she's back to being a miko uh she's been kind of everything i feel like she is a, a what you would call a a whore no that's callie who's the whore hmm but yeah no uh i'm no stranger to fantasia abuse i gotta tell you like, Serena, are you feeling kind of, you know, stagnant, stre- stretched out? <laughs> um, you know, no, not as a Miko. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I know some guys who would be happy to fix that for you easily. <laughs> uh, what word you- of advice for our audience, by the way, if you have alts and you want Fantasias and you haven't already, it is a net positive monetarily to just buy the upgrade to the collector's edition of heavensward 
because that comes with a free Fantasia for every character you have and every one you ever make. That is true. That is true. I, I, I forgot. That's that. My, that was my third one. That was the third one that I got. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Fantasia abuse aside, I uh, hope everyone is doing well. If you haven't already checked it out, we officially have merch now for the Warriors of Lust podcast. We are the gayest, thirstiest show on a theorist, so it only makes sense that we would get some gay, thirsty merch for y'all to wear. We've got tank tops and hoodies. we got a very thirsty water bottle, some cool stickers, uh, all kinds of neat things to check out. That shop is over at streamlabs.com slash escalia, E-S-K-A-L-I-A, slash merch, and you can get uh, both some Escalia brand merchandise and some Warriors of Lust merchandise. We got stuff for Draku, Serena, and myself, and all three of us. So uh, make sure you check that out. Streamlabs.com slash Escalia slash merch. As a reminder, as of our previous episode, um, I need all of you to buy all the Draku merch so that everyone knows that I'm the best. That's that's uh, true. I was going to say, you should just buy all the Serena merch so you're wearing one of the best colors, which is purple. You know what? That's not bad either. And mm -hmm. uh, I'll just go ahead and say I, I know that you're actually going to buy the Cali merch. So, you know, what they <laughs> say doesn't matter very much. It literally you. Do you want a tote bag that has a picture of a slutty Mikote and the words enemy of innocence underneath it? Because, I mean, that's it. Okay. Enough, sh enough plugging merch shamelessly. Uh, let's get into the Thirst Down. Every episode, we like to break down some of the beautiful, wonderful denizens of uh, Eorzea and now Aetheris and uh, talk about uh, uh, why they should all be thirsted over and delighted in. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go first this week because I don't feel like I've gone first in, in quite a while. I wanted to uh, take a page out of Jiraku's playbook and go for someone maybe a little bit lesser known. And I know last time I picked Kurenai, and that was apparently a lesser known character. But uh, this is one that I have always uh, had a thing for, all the way back to the 1.0 trailers, in fact. Uh, I'm going to go with Renda Ray, also known as Drumail. Who? Uh, Renda Ray is uh, one of the Warriors of Darkness, or <gasps> Warriors of Light of the First, the yes! Miko. Uh, she was in the original 1.0 trailer, although she wasn't yet, you know, Renda Ray, she, or the character that she eventually became. She was just, like, your adventurer friend who was, you know, uh, part of the adventurer group that they showed off to show off the game. Uh, but she is the, uh, the ranger slash bard character, and it kills me to have to put a ranger slash bard on this list, because I know it makes Jiraku just smile. But, uh, I would just like no. to point out that yeah. I think you have wonderful taste <laughs> and that I'm very proud of you for yeah. understanding that bards are hot. Yeah, well, that one, this one in particular, uh, it uh, has always been uh, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, obviously, solid fingering as a ranger or a bard, so you got to take her for that. And listen... This girl was saving all of existence before we were old enough to walk. Like she was doing this like a hundred years ago, and she is still rocking that outfit. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Renda Ray. My biggest complaint about Renda Ray is I have to hang out with Lou Reek to get to meet her, which he sucks. He sucks so much. He sucks I feel so, so much. I, I feel so bad that so many people had to deal with him because, like, statistically, the majority. Not the majority, but like the job quest that would be done by the most people the most times is that one because it covers the most classes. Yeah, the melee DPS, right? 
Yeah. It's physical DPS. It includes. Or, oh, sorry. Yeah, right. It was just physical DPS yeah. back then. Yeah, that was before they split it. So that's yeah. all of the melee plus all of the ranged physical as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he he sucks. Like the only thing that made it redeeming is you get to have a, a moment in that story where you get to tell him that he sucks and you hate him. It's pretty great. That is yeah. great. I don't like, I know I know people who thought that the job quests were or the role quests were all bad because the only one they did was Lurik and it's like no like he's like a 2 and the others are an 8 minimum. Can we all agree that the healer one is the best? The healer one is so I love that one. Um H hanging I, out with the dwarf, it's so good. Of course, the one close to my heart of course is the magical DPS one. Yeah, that's the and, one where you it's the 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 kid who got like sucked into another dimension, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then a fan favorite of mine is the tank one. Oh, with uh, Brandon? Granson. Granson, that's it. Well, Brandon was the... Uh... Brandon was the Rugadin. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like, I thought I had that name right. And then yeah, yes. Granson, you hang out with your edgelord-ass Dark Knight buddy. That's He's my so friend. good. <laughs> my dear, dear, dear friend. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember the physical DPS one. That's why I'm like... Yeah, Lurik is the annoying Mistel. He he complains and tells you that you suck. Like there's a scene in it where you uh, when you first run into the the monster, uh, where you um you you go into your echo vision. You have the the vision of the echo, and you like kind of like glitch. And, and by the time you come to the monster, has been able to get away, and he starts chewing you out after you've saved him in like every fight so far. He starts chewing you out because the monster got away because you were having a vision of the echo, and you literally just get to look at him like you stuck up, self important little bastard. You suck, and you, know, you basically just you know, tell him to fuck off and leave. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. It was. <laughs> It was it was a moment where I felt like the the Final Fantasy fourteen team was literally just looking at the players like we know, we we know. Uh, all right, Serena, you're up. Oh, so going with you know, I guess we're in the first. I chose um, I I chose her and I stare at the name and I'm like I'm gonna mispronounce this. You got it, Dulia Chai. You got it, perfect, Dulia Chai. <laughs> Dulia Chai, and I assume you all know who she is. Uh, I yes. mean, how could you not? <laughs> Alphano's adoptive, uh, Alphano's other adoptive mother. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, I have submitted her because she's just so, she's so affectionate. I loved that they gave a Mikote all of the Lalafell emotes. I thought it fit so well. Yes. God, they are Lalafell emotes. They are. <laughs> I'm gonna, I have to credit my wife, who was the first one to notice that. She's like, oh, she's got the Lalafell emotes. And I'm like, uh, oh, they are. Oh, that is exactly what they did. Clever. I never I even noticed. I also do like the representation of someone who is plus size. She sure is. Um, plus size, and I don't believe they ever call it out. Nope. Nope. They did she's very well. They never as... make a lowbrow fat joke, which good mm -hmm. for them. Yep, yep. she is there she is high class she does not care if you aren't don't have like if you are like poor or something because she wants to help you mm -hmm. um she just has a really good heart yeah she uh, uh obviously she has uh carries with her the weight of being from yulmore which mm -hmm. is tough because uh, a lot of weird messed up things happened in yulmore did anyone else the first time they handed out me all did anyone else go like oh god 
that this is soylent green. Yeah. So, <laughs> so exactly. My first thought that went through my head was like, mm, I don't so know I, about that. My first experience with Mule was my friends had already played through all of Shadowbringers when I had finally gotten to it, and I had seen the meme with Vothri. It's a meme. It's Vothri staring into an oven with the oh. mule cooking, <laughs> and I didn't know who it was, what it was. I was like, what the fuck is this mm-hmm. i was terrified and then i met him and i was like i should be terrified yeah because it's everything you think is happening it's, it's exactly happening. that or worse yeah it definitely worked <laughs> like all, all the characters like like the number of sad side stories in Shadowbringers is just through the roof like yeah, people are getting eaten and turned into meal in in Yulemore. The songbird got turned into the icon of sin or obscenity, whatever it was. That was sad. Like everything there sucks. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right, Dulia Chai added to the list. Uh, Jiraku, what do you got for us uh, this week? Well, once again, bucking trends. My yeah. character is not from Shadowbringers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Now, I know that both of you are deprived souls who have never done the Ninja Quest line. Am I going to have to play the Ninja Quest line? So tragic. Yeah, you should. Because my pick for this episode is Karasu from the Ninja Quest line. And if you know me and you know Karasu, this is about the least surprising pick I've ever made on this entire show. I'm just looking at the picture of him that pops up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Serena. I'm gonna tell tell you what I see. I'm gonna give you the the description. I already looked at it. I already have. I haven't pulled up. I'm looking at it. Oh, okay. Yeah. For those who don't know, here's what we're looking at right now. We're looking at a man clad in a red chest plate uh, and black pants with silver tinted leggings, uh, daggers on either side, a chain vest underneath his red plate vest for some reason. Uh, a raccoon mask uh, across his eyes. That's face paint. Oh, that it is, is face, face paint. paint. It right. is not a raccoon paint. mask. It is. You're right. That's that's face paint. Uh, and he is doing. I don't even know how to describe the dance that he is doing. Uh, I I can. He's doing the I'm a little teapot dance, as far as I can tell. Oh my god, he's Perfect. like perched. He's perched up on like one leg doing the I'm a little teapot. He is for oh. sure. That's what he's doing. Karasu is the most melodramatic character in the entirety of this game. Well, he consistently refers to himself as the main character. Oh my god. Oh god. Uh, he consistently narrates his own events, his own plans, and his own schemes, and comments on, like, he just talks the best shit, and it's great. Melodramatic mm-hmm. bitches are hot. I, I still have the Ninja Quest line on my brain from the previous episode that we recorded yesterday. Yeah. Um, and just, he's so good. He's so good. Also, I would just like to point out, again, ninjas are kinky. That's a good thing. That's a pro. Every single ninja gets, like, bonus points just for being a ninja. Okay. So here are some uh, descriptions of Karasu. Karasu has a flair for theatrics, often narrating the situation as though he is the hero of the tale. Prone to giving nicknames, he calls the adventurer a, quote, horsebird chick, or, quote, little chick, and refers to Oboro as the dull one, or dim one. He calls Subame Oshidari Oboro's sparrow. Oh my god, you get to see him shirtless in this game. 
Yes, you do. Oh my gosh, you get to see him shirtless. Look at this man and his. Oh, he's got some pecs going on. Hold up, hold up. Hey, go back oh, to my, my search. My man's has got big hands. His hands are bigger than his forearms. Look at this man's hands. What the Why hell? Why is his hands so big? The, okay, ninjas. This guy's packing. <laughs> ninjas. I like how that's. Why is his hands so big? Ninjas. <laughs> that's <laughs> accurate. You got to do the mudras. Why do I, Why do I have big hands? Well, I hate to break it to you all. I'm a ninja. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> My man's is packing, and uh, all right, Karasu. I think I think Karasu fits. I like him. I like it. Melodramatic is. I like that. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, I, I'm into it. Let us add uh, Karasu, Dulia Chai, and Renda Ray onto the first down. Uh, excellent. I, I'm 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 good with these uh, with these three uh, additions. I think they're they're very fitting. Moving on stereotypes um this is uh a topic that uh draku actually pitched for an episode and it was an important discussion because stereotypes uh unfortunately play a very large part in society and really just in our lives in general and sadly way too often don't play a great part in in our in our society so jiraku i'm actually going to let you start us off today and kind of set the stage for the people let them understand where where we're coming at this from so the the root cause that i had for thinking about this is i listen to other podcasts mm -hmm. i listen to video essays on youtube you know yep. i consume media just like everyone else out there um i noticed that with ff14 Regardless of who's talking about it, regardless of where it is, um, the same message gets repeated over and over, from what I can tell, which is on the whole, like from externally, like people that don't play FF14 or are very, very, very new to FF14 or right. only looking into the outside, it's always, hey, you know, that that community seems nice and all. Those fucking RPers, though, they're all fucking terrible. Oh. And it's no, like that old chestnut. It it's so frustrating to me because it feels like like the the big the big root of this for me the big root of why I wanted to talk about this is because I was thinking back on that um, and I was thinking back on like the subreddit for FF14 and the official forums and a bunch of Discord servers that I'm on and how you can see like this community is enormous like this is. I mean, we're the biggest MMO in the world right now, as far mm -hmm. as I am aware. So, of course, this is going to be a huge community. But mm -hmm. something I think is really fascinating that, to my knowledge, differentiates us a lot from most other video games that have large communities is it's like you look at like a Dark Souls, right? Vadividia is the lore guy of Dark Souls. No one even bothers trying to compete with that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but with, with like FF14, we don't really have much in the way of hyper dominant content creators that kind of steer the narrative of everything. No, you know what I mean? uh, in 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 terms of like role play, I mean, yeah, I think back to like there was Lorecast back in the day, and there's Ethis uh, Asher who's big on like lore in the game, but yeah, it's it's not quite like that. And it's like, I mean, Ethis is Ethis is great. Ethis is a great guy, um, and he, I'm not saying he doesn't have a significant following or anything. 
what I'm saying is like there's no one in the FF14 community um that has like no one steers the zeitgeist. Right. No one game. no one owns it. Yeah. And there's a lot of games and there's a lot of like like TV shows and shit like that where you have this is the person that is the fan base for this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um and so I wonder, like part of me thinks that maybe the way that this kind of stuff gets propagated, these ideas within the FF14 community, um, is because it's actually a series of somewhat isolated groups, really, the, the FF14 community. We're not really one big community. There is no, it, you can't say like everyone who plays FF14 watches FS Asher. You can't right. say everyone who plays FF14 listens to such and such podcast. You can't even say all of them do the same content. There's such a huge variety of things in this game. There's plenty of people that play the entire game, never craft, ne never play a job <laughs> other than the basic one they do, never do those storylines, never RP, never raid. And there's people that, for all of these things, this is the focus of what they do. So like, there's... Yeah, you know. kind of kind of establishing why maybe that is, right? Not only is Final Fantasy XIV a very large game in terms of how many people are playing it right now, it's also a massive game in terms of scope and what it's trying to do. It doesn't it isn't a narrowly focused game. There are so many different aspects of the game that you can build your play experience around. You, if you want to go into this game and say, I'm a crafter and a gatherer, and that's what I do. You can do that. That can be what you do. You're going to miss out on a lot of MSQ and, and getting to see the story, but that can be what you do. And then if you really want to see the MSQ, you just level up a job basically doing solo content yeah. and, and play the minimum amount of required multiplayer content to get through the story. You never touch raiding. You never touch the alliance raids. You never touch the challenge fights or the bonus stories. You're just getting through the MSQ to unlock your areas or to unlock your ability to fly in places so you can gather, you know, more stuff. Or you can go the opposite way. I didn't touch my first, like, crafting job until Shadowbringers. And now I have all crafters and gatherers at max level. But, like, I didn't touch my first one until, I think, Shadowbringers. It was just a part of the game I didn't touch or interact with in any way. Um, there are people who play this game for PvP. And while I think they're insane... <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are people for whom that is their favorite thing to do in the game. So that's what they focus on. There are people who are all about raising and, and doing chocobos. And mm -hmm. there are people who are in it just for the role play. There are people whose character remains level one. And all they care about is being able to do role play stuff. And like, okay, that's fair too. There are so many different ways to play this game and enjoy it. And the, and Square Enix has gone way out of their way in a lot of cases to establish the mentality of that's okay. You you this game is not designed for you to do everything because there's most people aren't going to enjoy doing everything the game has to offer. Like I'm sorry, I'm never going to like Lords of Vermilion. I'm just just or Verminion, sorry. Verminion. Uh, yeah, Verminion. I'm never going to want to do that. But there are a, you know, a litany of other pieces of content that I absolutely do want to do and take part in. It's a really fascinating way to build an MMO uh, because a lot of people who try it aren't able to deliver on it. And it you end up just having a whole bunch of very lackluster event spaces 
mm-hmm. and none of them actually pay off. Yeah, because I was going to say, I think even just the three of us, we play Final Fantasy much differently. I'd say so. Um, because I barely touch a crafting or gathering class. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, and- put, put it this way, like, what are the top, if you, in a given expansion, what are mm-hmm. your top four things that you do in a given expansion? Um, I fight. I try. I do. If they have the new raids, I'll do the new raids. Okay. I do the dungeons. I level characters. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm primarily. Oh, and I and I just like to look at glams. And glam, <laughs> but that's my point. And then you you'd go to me, and I would say, okay, my top four things on an expansion is MSQ, uh, raid, um, role play, and uh, like treasure maps. Yeah. And so for me, yeah, I do MSQ first and foremost. That's the thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But before I like, in order to do MSQ, I first pick whatever job is going to be the one. Like this is the one. So for Endwalker, it was Reaper, for instance. Right. Reaper and Summoner. I did the two together. So there's always I'm always a little bit delayed getting caught up on MSQ with that. Second mm-hmm. priority is okay. I've finished MSQ. Look through. Every single gear item in the game, find good glamour gear. Yeah. <laughs> find that. Do whatever it takes to get that. Do the bare minimum to get that. If there is a raid gear that looks really, really good on one of my characters, that character becomes the new priority. Um, as soon as I finish MSQ, I have done exactly one run of a dungeon on my character that has cleared MSQ since doing so. I haven't I've only done one of the two optional dungeons because I looked at the gear that you get for doing those and I was like, mm, yeah. I have other priorities. And then it's just level every single other character. Yeah. Make money. You can sell that gear. You can sell those coffers. They are worth so much. Oh, yeah. That I should oh, add yeah. on, on, on housing stuff. I love decorating my house and, and getting experience that. And that's part of the role play. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. There. And then and then there's role playing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, role playing. I just when I the MSQ starts, I want to get the stuff out of the way because there's such a big thing with like people not caring sometimes about spoiling other people too. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, oh yeah, let's just try and get this out of the way, and then work on what kind of gearing up myself, being prepared, doing the fights, leveling my main character, leveling all my other care like not my main character and my classes with that character right that i like to play as so and yeah. and it, because you get to that point of like where everyone has different things that they do in the game that they mm-hmm. take enjoyment from we get to that spot of where the stereotypes start to crop up like uh, you mentioned role players being seen as not good at, at rating and whatnot yeah. and it's like okay well first of all i mean obviously this is a very small sample size but serena and i both are role players we and we're not. I'm not gonna say we're great at, at the game or at rating, but we we were good enough to get through E12s. I did A12s back in the Heaven's Ward. I skipped Stormblood, but like we were good enough. Like, I was like we got we did E12s almost eight times, so everyone in our raid group could get the mount. Mm-hmm. Yep, we sure did. So that's not like just like once. Woo, that's like eight different times. Exactly, but like, and, and it's like I say, like, we're not the best by any stretch of the imagination, but you know we're good enough to get through rating anyway mm-hmm. so i don't know that it, the, that the I mean, stereotype necessarily fits but i think where it comes from is the idea that there are a lot of people who i remember being in this camp of 
I'm not committing to raiding three nights a week because, you know, I already have role play two nights a week and that's five nights a week I have committed to being on 14 and I just can't do that. Exactly. So you, the stereotype is actually born out of just making choices about how you're spending your time in the game. And it's like, that's definitely part of it. Uh, I also want to point out last I heard only 2% of the entirety of the player base queues into Savage once. Only like two percent, two percent of the entire player base ever even attempts savage, not clears, not gets through the first fight, ever attempts anything savage ever. I'll I'll say this: I I can't confirm that number. I don't know that number to be true. But like, if you were to ask me how many people in this game raid, I would probably say one in twenty. Yeah. And that would be 5%. So, yeah, I could believe that it's 2%. Like, if, if I said yeah, 1 in 20 and you said it's actually 1 in 50, I'd be like, yeah, all right, maybe. I'll be like, I no, you're fucking hearing, lying. <laughs> I remember hearing, um, oh, what was it? I remember someone, because there was someone complaining, because it, it's been, like, two years since I heard that number. Maybe it's gone up since then. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I just remember someone was talking about it in the context of it's wild how much effort they put into ultimate given that like something like 1.2 to 1.8 percent of the total player base ever clears the first four of savage when they're stat relevant yeah i mean how many people ultimate is another thing entirely like if you're asking me what percentage of the player base uh attempts uh ultimate fights i would guess it's less than one in a hundred Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, for sure. But I was just saying, like, like it's wild how much they put into Ultimate, how intense it is, how flashy it is, how many like they have unique animations, they mm-hmm. have unique variants of songs. It's really, really, really intense, and they're doing that for like the tiniest subset of the player base. I don't think that's a bad thing. To be clear, I think that's a really impressive thing. But like, this is my point: is like everyone that plays the game has different interests. Yeah. And something that really annoys me. Um, I play dungeon content a lot. I love dungeons. I like them mm-hmm. a lot more than raids. I think they're way more fun. I think handling pulls and using cooldowns to manage pulls as a tank is really awesome. I think spamming AOE abilities is fun and flashy and it feels great. And this is why I've been begging for challenge dungeons for a really long time. Um, and also probably why I focus so much on leveling characters. But it's like, I really hate the stereotype that like, ah, well, people on Baomong are bad at the game. Or or Crystal is a miserable experience. Hey, guess what? Um, I am not saying that you should do this because it's against the terms of service, but I bet that if you were to take the uh, battle tab of like how it records all the damage that every single ability has done, I bet that if you sat down with a pencil and a piece of paper and no other tools that would break the TOS... Right. If you calculated it, you would find that there is not a meaningful difference in the numbers on dungeons between the data centers ever. I, I could believe that. The only that. point where mm-hmm. any kind of difference really comes in, um, the only point where any kind of difference meaningfully ever comes in is with where the world first completion for things are. But right. that's the world first. And at that point, like, are you really going to judge... Like think about think about how insane it is to judge ba- an entire data center based on world first because world first is eight people. 
Yeah, it, it, and that's yeah. all it is. I mean, listen, if you, I don't, I take offense to the to the notion that Crystal is like the worst data center. Now, if you want to tell me that Crystal is the most degenerate uh, data center, okay, we could have that conversation because I absolutely believe that is true. My presence here alone uh, sways that <laughs> <laughs> sways those scales to the right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, there is. Because so often servers like Balmung and more recently Mateus and Malboro, uh, because those servers have such a reputation for degeneracy and, and deviancy, um, people get this bias in their mind of, well, that's all that happens there. When, no, realistically, it can't be all that happens there. There's there's going to be plenty of good raiders just like on any other server there's going to be plenty of people who focus dungeons there's going to be plenty of people who are just hey i'm going to log into the msq and i'll see you in four months like there's those people like every server has some mix of it you know what i mean ours just happens to be much cooler with gay people Mm -hmm. yeah it's one of the biggest things that i realized because coming into this game like i just joined where my friends were and then when we had other friends that got interested in it and we were like, oh, well, we're on um, we're on Crystal. And they had a mutual friend that was like, Crystal sucks. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you're just grouping all, all these of worlds. Crystal? You're grouping all of Crystal into one knowledge that you have. Right. Like, you uh, have you been to Zolera? Like... They're just like, that was like, it's all just RP. No one does anything else. And I'm like, you're wrong, but okay. Well, that's just it. Like, that's just objectively wrong. Yeah. Well, if you want to smack anyone with that, just remember, just remind them that the first server to complete Skysteel the first time was Balmung. Yeah. That is absolutely true. And I mean, like, I think about like, uh, before Balmung, it was what, Besaid, I think was the original? Yeah. So back in 1.0, um, the original RP server, the one that was the RP server for my understanding was primarily people moving in from FF11. Yep, from and a little bit of WoW. Primarily was, the 11 role players. It's fr- was Besaid. Yep, I got to uh, tell you, 11 role play was a wild experience. That was. I can only imagine. I oh mean, God. okay, imagine role playing without having anywhere private to do it, because you couldn't go into each other's houses back then. Did they not even have, like, party chat? Well, they had party chat. I mean, obviously, you could do party or link shell chat if you wanted to, although you could only have one link shell. There was only one link shell. There was no free company. That didn't exist. Your link shell was your free company. Uh, so it was just link shell, party, shout, and say were the four chats that you could do. Uh, and they, you, everyone got their own house. You got a personal, uh, uh, what we would call an apartment today. Uh, everyone got their own one of those that they could go into. But you couldn't enter into each other's houses, not back then anyway. They did eventually add that functionality, but not till way later. Yeah, yeah. So role-playing was often an experience of just walking around and seeing people do it in say chat because there was nowhere private to do it. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like, from what I've seen at least, the history of the RP community, because I've been hitting this personally since 2.1, um, mm-hmm. it, it really feels to me disingenuous that a lot of people act like or even like like we're we're absolutely degenerates yeah but i don't yeah. think it's i don't think it's fair to claim the entirety of crystal is like that yeah no um 
And I mean, I mean, they're I, degenerates by association, but yeah, sure. Yeah, the stink eventually wafts over there. Sure, <laughs> there, <laughs> exactly. But like, but like, I mean, I see people make posts all the time of like, don't ever make a character on Crystal. Like, oh, 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 that'd be t- like terrible. Like the game, people are so bad at the game. Look at the PvP, and it's like, I posit to you, listener, this game's community, which is one of the biggest anywhere in any video game. This game's community sucks at playing this game. All of it. The whole community. Because this is not a game that is designed to be something that you are going to try so damn hard to be amazing at. This is not Devil May Cry. No one's going to whip out your fucking Devil May Cry 5 combo videos where you one-tap all of a final boss without ever giving him room to breathe. Because FF14 doesn't have an equivalent to that. No. Well, the game is designed to be beatable. Right, like they they design the fights in this game to not be hard. Uh, I think it was in the, uh, one of the more recent live letters that Yoshi kind of admitted, just saying that, like you know our our kind of aim point for the difficulty of fights in this game is for people to come out of it going, yeah, that was pretty easy. Like that's kind of where they aim for, and sometimes they miss the mark a little bit. Like I think a lot of people on their first time probably came out of the Heidelund fight like, wow, that was harder than your average trial. That was a little bit tougher um but like yeah for the most part the game is not particularly hard and because of that most people don't have to learn how to play their jobs ideally right like mm-hmm. and they don't but most people i think if you looked at the average person and looked at their rotation you would find problems with it it wasn't until i started rating that i actually had to like sit down and look at my rotation and go okay what am i doing wrong and i had a friend look at my rotation and say and I quote, your rotation is marginally less offensive than the Holocaust. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I'm like, you didn't, I'm like that's you, not nice. I remember you didn't have True North. I didn't have True North on my rotation. Yeah, I didn't. We did E12S and you were like, True North has saved my life. <laughs> True North has changed my life. Oh, my God. It's so much easier to do my combo or to get a freaking ride and thrust now. <laughs> Now I don't have to get uh, worry about getting riding thrusts anymore. They made it easy again. You, My job you, is one step closer to brain dead. What? Oh, does it, does it not, does it not require the positionals to go off on Dragoon anymore? No, you you automatically get riding thrusts as long as you do both Fang and Claw and uh, Wheeling thrusts. Now you you just get the damage bonus for doing the proper uh, positionals. Now are you saying oh, ride God. and thrust? Uh, ride and thrust. Yeah. Ride in or ride and thrust. I mean, you tell me, girl. <laughs> Because my brain, you know, you know. Yeah, I know. No, it's it, it is ride and thrust, but not anymore. Now I'm calling it ride and thrust. Because <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. I'm like, huh? That's fair. That's correct. <laughs> I, I like it. You should have been calling it this entire time. Uh, we should have put that in our patch notes last time that they were changing ride and thrust to ride and thrust. What do you mean? We didn't we didn't write those patch oh, notes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Of course not. No, silly me. Uh, Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot that goes into like the creation of like the the stereotypes in this game mm-hmm. um you mentioned like people saying like don't make a character on crystal bitch good luck making a character on crystal have fun waking up at 5 a.m so you can actually make a character here oh god yeah like the server is these servers are packed because the people here I, I posit to you that the people who are here playing this game are having more fun playing this game than anyone else and there's a reason that our servers remain relatively busy even in the worst of content droughts because people are still role-playing and still doing their community events on this server because 
You got like just because there's no new content out in the game doesn't mean you're not role playing. Yeah, so just because yeah. there's no new content doesn't mean we don't have content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So much you can do. I've I've said it before. I'll say it again. There is no content drought for role players. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I'll tell you, like Square Enix is smart in some ways to occasionally seem like they're catering to that. We love glamour. We love role play. That kind of community. Because when you give us toys to play with, we will float your game through those months. Because we'll make up our own content to do. You don't have to do anything for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. You also see a lot of. I think one of the bigger stereotypes about this game is that it is drama filled. It is probably the most, the most high drama of games. Which I think there is an element of truth to. In that the kind of drama that we have in our community is the good kind of drama to have in a community. We're arguing about things that don't require the developer to make immediate changes to the game. We argue about Mm -hmm. things where it's like, hey, I don't know that it's appropriate to thirst over Alfino and Alize, And then there's a big back and forth about that. Versus, say you know, World of Warcraft, where it's like, hey, I don't know that it's okay to put a uh, uh, a misogynist in the game and, like, like hype them up as a character. I think we probably need to take that character out of the game, like, yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there is a lot of drama in the Final Fantasy XIV community. There's a ton of drama. And occasionally it feels like people are manufacturing drama because they need something to be dramatic about. But that's a good place to be, as far as I'm concerned, for a game, compared to what you could be dealing with. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, um, it's it's really fascinating if you look into it. Like, I remember as an example of something similar, um, I had it pointed out. I saw a Tumblr post talking about it and I went and looked it up and it's like absolutely true. Uh, something like 60 percent of all of the drama and like hate posting and like all of the really bad things that you get in fandom around Harry Potter for a 10 year period was one person and originated with one person. Jesus. And it's wild because if you start looking at like, was that one things, person JK Rowling? Cause I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I would also agree with it. That's cheating. <laughs> um, and I feel like if you look at the final fantasy 14 community, like the thing that really bothers me the most is when you have, there are millions and millions of people that play this game. And I don't think it's fair to judge any part of this game by any sample group that's under 100 people. Uh, Yeah, probably not. Because it's like, I mean, how many people are on any given server? Even like the smallest server, you're talking like, what, 10,000? Thousands, yeah. Tens of thousands of people? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you make a good point, right? Like there is... A tendency for us to listen to small but loud groups that mm-hmm. is as true in Final Fantasy 14 as it is in American politics, uh, which are depressing to say the least. But again, by the nature of this of, of a community of this size, it's the same problem that happens to any fandom eventually. When the fandom gets large enough, just by nature of its size, it attracts the bad people that you don't want in the fandom there was a period of time and i'm gonna go ahead and admit this on the air that as a huge my little pony fan Mm -hmm. 
there was a period of time where that community genuinely thought, hey, this is a really good show that reminds me, that was like a better version of the shows that I had when I was a kid. Also, is that Q from Star Trek? That's cool. Like, there was a period of time where that's what it actually was. And then the community got larger and larger and larger. And suddenly the um, the tone of the community began to shift. And it got uglier and worse. And just before long, it was just something where I was like, I got to step away from this because I don't, I don't. When enough Nazis are at the event that you're at, you have to start wondering, okay, am I just a Nazi because I'm here? I'm going to leave. I don't want to hang out with the Nazis, actually. I'll see you later. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that that's always a thing. I mean, I think what it what it can really come down to with that is if you just assume, which I think is a fair assumption, that if you get a large enough group of people together, someone in there is going to be an asshole. Yep. Like if that's you I I would posit if you grabbed a thousand random people and put them in a room, there is at least one person in there who sucks. Uh if you put together like a whole lot of people, if it only like if it's possible for one person to cause all kinds of fucking bullshit and mischief on their own, then even if you're only putting together like 700 people that suck out of 14 million, that's still a group of 700 people that suck can still do a whole lot of damage. Mm -hmm. But oh, yeah. I don't think that they should be reflective considered reflective of the whole. Yeah, they shouldn't be, uh, depending on how long they are allowed to be suffered within that community. If the community has decided, well, they're a part of this community, too. Okay, well, then actually, they do reflect your community. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah, but there is a lot of good that this community does well. We'll talk about, I mean, a couple stereotypes in the other direction. Like, this is a very, very charitable community. Oh, um, absolutely. Like, this community will raise money for a lot of really good things and i would say they are also one of the most lgbtqia inclusivity or inclusive mm -hmm. communities this is a community where it is very okay to be out and proud oh yeah for sure for sure yeah. uh, specific shout out to dylan thorne who i have personally seen organize three different charity events mm -hmm. which is impressive as hell uh having put together a couple of charity events in my time uh, they are incredibly stressful, incredibly high effort, uh, incredibly nerve-wracking, and also incredibly rewarding, especially when they when they go well. I think I've done five charity events over the years now. Oh, wow. And, yeah, uh, they have been, I mean, obviously, you know, varying degrees of success to, you know, our first one was literally just me in a basement playing Final Fantasy VIII for 25 hours or something like that, however long it took me to beat it, uh, and, and, and going on from there, like... They're incredibly stressful, and there's so you were much into work. exhibitionism that far back, huh? <laughs> that was back. I was that was in the Olympic radio days. I think I was like 2014, probably. Mm -hmm. Self-flagellation on camera. Interesting. I happen to love Final Fantasy VIII. You cretin. You know, I too also really love Final Fantasy VIII. That part with Gaia and Reen is really good. All of oh, those parts wow. that feature Gaia and Reen are really, really good. <laughs> You're a monster, actually. You're actually the worst person. Uh, I did. I did. Well, would it make you happier to know I played Final Fantasy IX the following year? Yeah, that would make me happier. It didn't make me happier because that game was 38 hours to beat, and I was very tired by the end of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
I, uh, that we did 38 hours straight through. That was when I was much younger and much more psychotic. Was uh, <laughs> I mean, disclaimer: I Don't play Final Fantasy IX in one sitting. No, don't, <laughs> don't do it. It is absolutely exhausting. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot. I shouldn't have gotten done all the chocographs. That's what that's what killed me. I, I wanted to do all the chocographs because I, I was a freak. I don't know. Anyway, that's not important. Yeah, the uh, the charitable aspect of this community is super awesome the lgbtqia aspect of this community is super awesome uh the amount of and again it's weighed by a loud i think minority of people but the amount of people who are so vocally supportive of the development team of this game is really cool to see now granted i've been here for a while and i've seen and been on the other side of that when the community was less supportive of the development team when they thought hey you guys are kind of fucking up right now uh and it can be real ugly but uh, as with all things it's what have you done for me lately and lately they have uh they've been pretty great so uh yeah i think there's a lot of a, a lot of good in this community as well so any other thoughts on stereotypes no i think we pretty much hit everything i wanted to cover with this The closing thought, basically what it boils down to is I beseech our listeners with a call to action that whenever you hear someone say a broad statement about this game or its community, myself included, (laughs) I want who has been known. (laughs) Everyone who likes Ishgard is trash. Um, (laughs) When you hear a broad statement about this community, um, don't just suck that into your brain and hold that there is something that's definitely true maybe keep a more open mind than that and look into things perfectly said yeah all right we're gonna wrap things up today uh normally we like to play a game or do something fun kind of wrap things up and i think definitely after an important discussion like stereotypes we really want to do something fun uh something that makes us think of all the good that we've uh that we get out of this game and so to that end, we are going to go over a couple of our favorite memories of Final Fantasy XIV. One of, what is your best memory playing the game? And what is your best memory of the community in Final Fantasy XIV? So we'll go through and do our game moments first, and then we'll come back and do our community moments. So I'm going to lead Sounds off. Sounds great. I'm going to lead off. Uh, mine, I'm going to fully admit there's probably a lot of recency bias here. But when I think of moments that impacted me, uh, that made me go, holy shit, Uh, there are only a couple. And uh, that's not to say I haven't had a lot of great moments that I love. I loved when defeating Nidhogg was a really cool cutscene and really great moment. Actually, the cutscene that leads into the fight with Nidhogg, where everyone's running away on the bridge and you're just walking in the other direction with like your boots clicking on the ground and your weapon drawn, I'm like... Okay, this is actually sick as hell. We're so cool. Square Enix, more than anyone, is so good at making you feel so awesome when Mm -hmm. they need to. But this is one that really just... I sat there on stream just kind of like mouth agape and enjoying the moment. Uh, And that is after you beat Xenos for the final time... You do the, you know, you you throw down. The weapons are no longer good enough. Now you're throwing hands at each other, and you finally land the final punch. And he goes down, and he's lying there. And you try to take one step forward, and just thwomp, you mm-hmm. hit the ground as well. 
and you literally, even though you know in your heart of hearts, you know there's no way they're going to kill off the Warrior of Light, like, because there's no more game then after that. How are they going to get your money every month? You sit there for a moment as you lay there talking about whether your life was worth it to you, whether it's been a good journey, which I, I so appreciated throughout Endwalker. Them constantly kind of looking at the camera and asking the audience, has it been a good journey? Has it been worthwhile? You get that moment with Vana where she asks you, was it worth it to you? Did Has it been a good journey? Have you had fun or had a good life? And I'm like, yes, Yoshi, I had a good life. I had a good time. Thank you for the game. <laughs> um, there, that moment of him talking to you and then the teleport out, which was just so contrived, but so cool. Mm-hmm. It was such a rule of cool moment. I'm like, that's it, so good. It, it is foreshadowed. I'll give them that. They did. They, they do foreshadow it, even though it's the most absurd, ridiculous thing ever. Mm-hmm. It listen. It was a total rule of cool moment. But I happen as a D and D player. I happen to love rule of cool. Uh, and then we get my personal mm-hmm. guilty pleasure of like you're half dead and everyone's crying over you and you wake up and never like hey you're alive. And I'm like yes. It's everything I've ever wanted in a cutscene. <laughs> it's the best cutscene ever. So uh, yeah, I I for all the times we've had to be on the other side of it, where it's like, oh, I wonder if this person's actually dead. Nope, they're not. Of course, uh, for us to finally get to be the person who like hangs on on the verge of death, I'm like, oh, this cutscene had everything, and I'm so happy right now. That is my favorite in-game moment ever. Uh, Serena. So I feel like mine kind of has something similar, like with the more recency of things like Callie, mm-hmm. but I really liked the moment when you're an end singer, you're fighting, oh, yeah. you know, the face happens and you're like, shit, we didn't make it. <laughs> okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me who after we got through the, uh, the, the, the LB three to stay alive and like, start like she starts doing it again. I'm like, like, Oh, we are not going to clear this DPS check. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are not even going to get close to this DPS check. We did so badly. Uh, and uh, then, yeah, you can take it from there. And then all of a sudden it, goes to the cutscene and the scions are praying for you yes. and they basically they're lighting the way for you mm-hmm. you know i got chills absolute chills I, actually every time i do end singer and that happens i still get chills yeah no light light away <laughs> is an incredible moment and again it, if you've been playing since a realm reborn it's even more impactful when you get to see Yishtola and Thancred and Urianje in their original poses doing the same prayer that they did in the Realm Reborn cutscene. I'm like, oh my god, it's so good. That's what I was going to say because it's like they weren't able to do it the first time. Yeah, their prayers didn't work the first <laughs> the time. prayers didn't work the first time, but I this mean, time... De- debatable. Debatable. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess yes, they did summon down the 12. It just, Bahamut was like, rawr, I'm too mad. Yeah. But it didn't I, really kind of work the first time, not a hundred percent. I thought that that was where uh, Louis Swa got Phoenix from as well. I mean, th- I mean, the power that he summoned through there, I guess, yeah, he would is what he ended up using for Phoenix and to send us into the future, or if mm-hmm. you were if you were in one point to send you to the future. Uh, yeah, so I guess it, it did work, just not as intended. Yep, and then this time it works as intended. Mm-hmm. And. It's- 
it's a really, really powerful moment. And again, like I cannot wait for and singer EX. Like, oh, oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> right, like because that the moment's EX, gonna be real hype. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the EX moments of all of the 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 expansion boss fights are always so good. Like the one the the Hades EX, I only did it recently, and like when he summons starts summoning other Asians for you to fight again, I'm like, oh my god, I'm fighting La Habrea in this fight. What the mm-hmm. hell? That, that wasn't was... supposed to happen. And uh, all the way down to, like, the final moment of, and I know he says this in the normal version, too, but it was so much more impactful after having to fight all the other Asians again, mm-hmm. where he, uh, when he finally drops, like, uh, damn you, damn your wretched blessing. I yeah. love that line so much. I, also, I love that after everything he knows about us and everything he knows about our abilities and theor- theories about where we come from, because he's already theorizing that maybe we're uh, one of the former Asians. He gets tricked by a traveler's ward, which is hilarious. <laughs> like that's true. I'll, I'll, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I think after Vanas says it's just a simpler, tra- a simple traveler's ward. That's what he ends up getting duped by when we beat him. Oh my fucking god! Yeah, isn't that the best? Uh, all right, Jiraku, what is your best game moment? Okay, so not not, not gay moment. Your best game m- m- moment. Sorry. Yeah, those are two different things. They're very much so. Although I do want to hear your best game moment too. Maybe another time. Okay. Um, because my brain would just go straight to Karasu, and that's not. <laughs> well, that could well be your best game moment. I don't know. There's got to be something that's just not coming to mind. Anyway, um, I have. I make no secret. I have a, a million alts. I'm at 32 right now. Um, oh my God. I've played through this game a lot. Yeah, I have not quite beaten Endwalker or Shadowbringers on all of them yet, but there is one moment in this entire game that I stop to take a screenshot at every single time. There is <laughs> one cutscene that I am 15 clears into, and every single time <laughs> I take the screenshot, I stop, I watch it, and that is you beat Amarat. Emmett Selk's like, oh, yeah, good job, whatever. But also, fuck you. Bah! And he starts fucking knocking Scions down left and right. Oh, yeah. Green's coming up to help you. Gets fucking blasted. We pass out. And then you have the fucking moment with Ardbert. Yep. And he's like, yo, you want to do this sick-ass fight? And you're like, yeah, I do. Fucking stand up. You have a voiced line. You tell Emmett Selk to go fuck himself. (laughs) Crystal X Sark's here. He's like, ah, fuck you. I'm summoning seven other people. Eat shit. And then <laughs> you get fucking zoom in on your camera. You zoom in on your character's face. I take the screenshot of I challenge you, Emmett Selk. And that is the moment of the game. You have fucking the Shadowbringers theme blaring. It's perfectly timed if you have it's it so set good. to autoplay where it's the song is concluding as it finishes that whole cutscene, And so when you load into the zone where you're waiting to queue in to fight Hades, you have, it's just kicking the song back on again and it perfectly loops and it's just the best. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's an incredible moment. Uh, until Endwalker, it was my bar none favorite cutscene. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, that or the fight right after you beat Hades. I mean, they're both incredible. Uh, but, or the cutscene right after you beat Hades, rather. I, I love the moment of you going down 
uh, and Ardbert being like, you know, if if you if you could take another step, could you save our worlds? Like him literally just saying like, all right, I'm buying into you. Finally, I I get it now. Let's if if I I'll give you the strength to take another step if you can save it. It's yeah. really awesome as a moment for him too. Finally, getting to realize like, oh, this is why I don't get to be dead. This is why I was spared. This is why I have spent so fucking long wandering around in this horrible, awful limbo. Yeah, in a hundred years in hell. And basically. <laughs> it is the worst. It is the absolute worst. I can't think of a worse scenario to have to be put through than what Ardbert was in. Oh, yeah. Oh. Watch your world almost die while everyone in it blames you for a hundred years. Yeah. That's basically it. So you get you get out of that cutscene, or you you get out of that moment. You get back up. Yep, we hear our first our Warrior of Light's first voice line, even though of course it's Ardbert speaking. Exarch shows up, and yeah, the the two choices of dialogue. Because I think the other choice you have is uh uh one way or another it ends today. It Something. ends one way or another. It ends after this. Yeah, exactly. Never. I I think I picked that one the first time I, I got up. They're both such good lines right there and finally Emmett's up being like huh all right let's do it one way or another i yeah that that cutscene is absolutely that, incredible i maintain i think as a whole endwalker is the best this game has ever been i don't think anything in endwalker can top that moment for me <laughs> so you, so you're saying as on, on uh, as an average endwalker is the best expansion but as in terms of the peak moment shadowbringers gets it absolutely oh, everything yeah. from the moment that you the moment that you start even amarat because mm -hmm. the impact of everything you see there and like the scene where you get to see what it's like from space and this is just a world dying well, I mean, from the and, moment you get to Amarat, you start like the the revelations begin almost immediately, where like the the elevator recognizes you, and you're like, okay, is that because Emmett Selk told it to wait for me, or am I a fucking Asian? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh and my you god. Have that, that whole sequence, all the way up through beating Hades, the post credits, mm -hmm. um, you, Ariane being passed out on the beach. Yeah. Um, like it because is. As a whole, the best. Well, but... even, even the post-fight cutscene, like I was talking about, I think is incredible. It's the first time we've actually gotten to see, like, the Scions be useful in, like, the great big encounter. And I don't even mean that, like, it's a bad thing. Like, But, like, you know, A Realm Reborn, it's us versus Gaius and the uh, and Ultima Weapon. And then in Heaven's Ward, it's us versus Nidhogg, and that's just kind of it. Alphano helps us pull the eye out of um, Astinian, but it's kind of it. And then, or uh, I guess the original... 3.x ending was against Thornton, who we beat by ourselves. And then it's us versus Xenos with not really anyone else involved until after the fight is over. Uh, and he's already dying. You know, he commits suicide. And then and, uh, Shadowbringers comes around. And for the first time, we beat Emmett Selk, but we haven't beaten him yet. And he's still like, no, I've still got more energy and I'm, I'm not going to lose to you. And the Scions show up and they all hold their hands up and start channeling into the, the crystals to weaken him and buy you one more opportunity to be a total badass and summon a huge light axe and throw it through him. And it's so, so cool. fucking mm -hmm. sick. But that's what I was talking about earlier when I say like Square Enix, better than anyone I've ever known in an MMO, is so good and making you feel like a total and utter badass in short bursts, right? Like, that moment, 
I don't know if it was just my Makote who happened to have like the perfect face for it, but when Urianja yells, Now! Strike with all thy might! The look on my Warrior of Light's face, she has like this confident smirk on her face as she nods and just turns and starts charging it up. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> it's so fucking sick. I feel like like Gohan about to fire off the final Kamehameha wave against Cell right now, and it feels so cool. Yeah. And like Endwalker's ending is really, really, really great, but I don't think it hits that. I don't think I- anything hits that. Yeah, like the final thing with like uh, the end singer doesn't. I do like that the actual final encounter takes us down from that grand scale. Like the entire ex- entirety of existence is on the line. It takes us back down to uh, almost a callback to where it all began for us with us in like this one on one fight that really ultimately that final battle between the warrior of light and and Xenos probably doesn't matter a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously it'd be a big loss if the Warrior of Light was dead, but you've already saved the day. You've already managed to stop Medion and and, and stop the Endsinger and the, and the end of the world. And like Xenos isn't going to like kill you and then go back to Aetherus and start wreaking havoc. He got the fight he wanted. He got that final moment. He's probably just going to fuck off somewhere. So it's like, I don't know that it actually is a huge deal. It's, it's more of a fight that's just for you. And uh, I think, Jiraka, you mentioned... They uh, on a previous episode, they did a really good job of giving you three different dialogue options that all lead you to the same point of you're going to fight him, but three different reasons why. And for whatever matters to you, the player, do you want to fight him because you're an anime a shonen protagonist and you want the next big challenging fight? Are you going to fight him because you can't risk him going back and killing everyone? Or are you going to fight him because fuck that guy? Just if I do this, he'll shut up exactly like like those are your three options and it was i i thought a really satisfying way to wrap up that story of taking it down from yep we saved the world but there's still one last thing we have to do and this one's for us i i like that but you're right it doesn't quite stack up to the emmett selk encounter that said the whole of endwalker i thought was better than the whole of Shadowbringers. yeah for sure I, i will give endwalker one more thing it has what is to me the single most emotional gut punch in the entirety of the game. Oh boy, I can think of oh, a few uh, moments. Which is lot. which is uh, when you have the option to ask Medion if she wants to come with you. Oh, that, like like in a single player RPG, if it wasn't an MMO where it's like, well, there's obviously going to be another dungeon. There's obviously going to be a trial. Like it has to. This is Final Fantasy fourteen. If that ending, after all that shit, if you got to say that to her and there was no boss fight and it's just over, yeah. that would be the perfect ending for that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really would. I, I thought there were a lot of good, like, of those emotional gut punches, like, throughout the whole story. Like, they did such a good job, I felt like, of building this up as some people have said, like, all the other expansions feel like they're six months or a year long. This does. This one really does just feel like the worst two weeks ever of the Warrior of Light's life. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it really it does. It's so like boom, 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 and you're and just like. <laughs> we and we go from like uh, uh, 
Garlemald, and we go like you have the suicide, and you have all all the the issues with the the Garleans there, uh, and then you uh, go up to the moon, and uh, obviously Zodiac happens, and uh, Zodiac is uh, now dead, but oops, you actually ushered in the end times because you killed Zodiac. Good job. Uh, and then you come back down, and then you go straight into Thavnair, and you've got like Thavnair is literally on fire, and now everyone's dying. Oh, by the way, they're not just dying; they're actually uh, dissipating. Yeah, they're dissipating into nothingness, and they can't even go back to the ethereal sea to be reborn. They're actually just gone for eternity, and there's no way to fix it. And you're like, oh. And then you have, then you have the baby and the elephant. Yeah, you have Matsya <laughs> and the baby, and I was like, oh my god, they're not about to kill a baby on screen, I don't think. But I'm not certain anymore, because they. I also didn't think they'd kill a child, and they just killed a child a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, when, they, when he got stepped on, I'm like, oh my god. This is actually, like... For all the times the Warrior of Light has gotten to be the hero and save the day and, like, nothing bad happens when the Warrior of Light's around, this really was, like, finally where Shadowbringers finally touched on the Warrior of Light's uh, mortality and Walker touched on our fallibility. Like, it touched on our ability to not save the day every time. Sometimes we can't fix everything. That's yeah, what yeah. this one touched on versus Shadowbringers, which finally touched on, hey, maybe we're not an invincible deity who can just stop anything. Um, so for two straight expansions, they've questioned a thing that before Shadowbringers we took as a given. We're going to always save the day and we're never going to die. And the last two expansions have really kind of rattled that, even though we have eventually emerged alive and the hero. Uh, it's really rattled that kind of security that we have. We've emerged alive, but it's been like a rough alive. Yeah, like when we get into 6.1, I'm pretty sure we're going to see like there's still a lot of people who are recovering from this and are like, it's going to be real hard. I wonder if they'll tell everybody like, hey, yeah, your friends and family who turned into blasphemies, they're never coming back. They didn't get to go to the ethereal sea. They're just gone. But that's the thing. That's not the case anymore. Did we fix that? Yeah, because the reason they didn't go to the Ethereal Sea is because they were getting drawn into that fuck huge egg that Medion was putting together. Yeah. Right. That we blasted apart. So everyone everywhere is back. You think so? so? That, of course, we dispersed that shit back around. Like, maybe they wouldn't be back on Ethereus, but they're getting scattered back across the universe. Interesting. Yeah. I guess I I didn't notice that then. Yeah, no, like the explicit idea is we blast that shit open and scatter it everywhere again. Hmm, um, interesting. That that does lead me to wonder, though, if it's not going to disperse like all over the universe in all directions and instead just all comes back to Ethereus. Does that mean that magic's going to get like the biggest fucking juicing up anything ever has? Because there's just going to be way more ether. I oh, mean, yeah, that's a possibility. I would I would take it actually to mean like. Because if that's the case, if, if that's the case, the egg is dispersed now and everything's come back, wouldn't it make sense then to, like, have the message be like, and now it's going off, like, all the other worlds that have been dead and are had are no, no longer had ether or no longer had people on them, now those worlds have a chance to re be reborn. Yeah. Just oh my, my thought. Uh, Jiraku, take us into your best community moment. We'll work <laughs> right, our way back up the list. Right, that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, we did like All 20 right. minutes on that one. No, it's it's absolutely fine. Sometimes you get on a good tangent. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite community moment ever um, was actually a role-playing moment. Um, 
And so shout out to the people over at Gold and Glory uh, who do so many RP events and are like, I mean, there's the RP calendar. And if you look at any given day on the RP calendar, there will be a Gold and Glory event on there. And they mm-hmm. run some of the biggest ones. They're affiliated with the uh, Blitzball stuff that people do that mm-hmm. raised a whole lot of money for charity. Um, they do all kinds of shit. My absolute favorite roleplay event I have ever been to, without a doubt, is the Ketosai, which is a combat tournament for doing kick-ass samurai shit in Kugane. And they have that- done it, I think, twice now. They run it every like nine months or so, if that. Um, it's not a locked in. We're going to do this on a loop forever, but every single time it comes back, oh, it's a joy. So um, Katosai are are with is this like an EI Jutsu tournament then? Basically, okay. Um, and I remember the very first time they did it. So the way they do it is because our peers are there's a broad variety of people that want to do combat RP. There so are. they actually. They run the two tournaments. They have one that's for characters who in character are like super good, super awesome, super badass samurai masters that mm-hmm. do all like the fucking mm-hmm. crazy bullshit. But then they have the other one that's the students tournament for people that maybe don't want to be quite that overpowered. Right. Um, and I remember the very first time they ran it. They'll never do it again. They said it was a huge mistake. Uh, they did both of them in the same day. with like <gasps> oh, an hour long intermission between them. Oh, no. I don't remember the exact number of hours, um, but I'm pretty sure it was like, it was at least six. It might have been as much as like nine. I remember it was like an entire Sunday. Um, and I got to MC for those tournaments as a loudmouthed asshole Yakuza. And that was fantastic. That I was love my it. absolute I, favorite community moment. That sounds such like such a good character moment <laughs> oh it was so fun i got to talk mad shit and be super biased at every single fight oh I wow i can't imagine how, i can't imagine how you got into that character how really oh, it's so hard it's so hard to be a loudmouthed, super biased asshole yeah yeah new racial slurs for garleans what what was the racial slur for garleans garlic oh <gasps> <gasps> Keep the vampires away. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> when um when when uh Sarah was first starting to play the game and she was rolling up her uh Zayla, we were she was writing her backstory and I loved uh the term she came up with for Rayan because she was uh, a Zayla and she spoke kind of ill of the Rayan. Uh, she calls them white horns. God. Which I'm like, actually, that is probably like that's really close to what an actual slur would sound like from the Zayla. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of into that actually. Uh okay, so the the six hour Ketosai tournament. Uh Serena, what is your favorite memory of the Final Fantasy 14 community? I think one of my favorite memories is a group of my friends and myself. We all cosplayed as some characters <laughs> from Final Fantasy 14. Um, this is when Shadowbringers was still the popular one before Endwalker and everything like that. And my friend made cookies. Um, they're Spriggan cookies. Oh, that's adorable. They're based off of in-game sweets, and we took them to the cosplay meetup, and she handed them out because it was around Christmas time, 
and she handed them out to all of our friends that we had met through Final Fantasy fourteen. Through oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And they were delicious. She she's got- made them. She's made them since then again. And uh, just like when there's just five of us, and I was like, I have eaten twenty little cookies because <laughs> <laughs> they're so good. Well, I'll tell you, mine kind of follows up on 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 the idea of meetups, although on a on a larger scale. Yeah, uh, I got to attend two fan fest events, mm-hmm. and seeing so many people that love this game. And seeing how many different backgrounds and locations uh, 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 of uh, the variety of people who come in and play this game for all different reasons and love this game and would choose to go and spend a weekend celebrating Final Fantasy XIV with friends. It really, I feel like, goes a long way in cementing why this discussion about stereotypes today was so important because this is a game that is like the word melting pot is the most overused term like ever, but it really is. There is no set person that is a fan of final fantasy 14. They come young, old uh, men, women, all different races, all different backgrounds, all different financial situations. Um, Everyone that you can imagine, there are final fantasy 14 fans out there and that is something that is really special uh all different levels of 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 gaming know-how and knowledge some people are are you know parents who just play it because their kids play and they want something to do with family i i saw so many families at 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 fan fest that was Mm -hmm. crazy to see like you know kids as young as 10 with their parents there and i'd go talk to them yeah the kid plays but also so do mom and dad and that's something that's really special and something that's really cool uh, getting to go to not one but two fan fests to to help host an after party at both of them, uh, just amazing, amazing things to see so many people who love this game, uh, and that that one thing in common is enough. It's a you, really cool thing. Do you want to know the absolute least surprising anecdote about fan fest you're ever going to hear? Uh, it's uh, there do be a lot of fucking at it. I was. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. <laughs> that's not where I was going with it. No. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, I, I was going to say a uh, big plot twist. I was actually going to be at that second after party, uh, but I got sick that week. Oh, oh Draco no. getting sick. That's oh, what I had. Shock. Guess what I had? I had a horrible a lung infection. infection. <gasps> uh, <laughs> of course you did. Uh, we need to have a conversation <laughs> yeah uh yeah no uh i wish i wish you could have been at that second after party that one was uh was fucking awesome uh i'm i'm hopeful that we'll get to have another one at the next fan fest I'm, my biggest hope um with myself and a lot of friends is to be able to go to a fan fest we really were looking to go to the previous the one that was supposed to happen yeah and then, of course, COVID. with everything that, yeah, with COVID, well, we were able to, because we were planning, we were like making plans. We we're like, we're going to get all this stuff and we're going to do it because we all want to go. Well, so. I'm guessing fall 2023, mm-hmm. uh, we're probably going to have a, uh, wait a minute. Um, no, to keep it on line, it's either going to be, it would be fall of this year, we would have a fan fest uh, or because of the delay of Endwalker, it might be spring of next year. So it's either going to be fall 2022 or spring 2023, 
we should have a fan fest uh, announcement because they do it um, six months to a year before the next expansion, and the next expansion should be in twenty twenty three. Man, that's gonna be really weird. One of the oh, one yeah. of the worst one of the worst super minor fucking who even cares issues with the COVID thing is that FF fourteen used to release things on even numbered years. Yeah, now it's I like years. that. Oh, I like odd numbers for I am an odd one. So mm. things Although, come. <laughs> wait a minute, didn't didn't Shadowbringers come out uh in twenty nineteen? Did it? I think so. Oh yeah, it did, because that was the new twenty that was the new nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, no, they that. all they all come out, yeah, they come out on, on odd numbered years normally. Uh, and I think they still will because Endwalker uh, was only delayed by six months. It was delayed back to December, so it barely made it into 2021, but it did make it into 2021 still. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, I I'm looking forward to the next FanFest. I would expect to hear an announcement for FanFest uh, sometime in late spring of this year, uh, if it's going to be in the fall like it usually is. Because of the delay in the, in the patch, the six-month delay, I think it will start being a spring event. So I'm going to guess we'll probably find out about it next fall and we'll get it in spring 2023. Which is not bad. No, I mean, we could be wrapping up the second season of uh, Warriors of Lust by then. Making our plans to be like, hey, y'all, how you doing? Well, I think the Warriors of Lust have to go to FanFest, right? Yeah. Like, we, we need to be there. Like, every, uh, How disappointing would it be for the Warriors of Lust to not be at FanFest? I would need, I'm going to need to get a hat. <laughs> well, I'll make you one. No worries. You, I'm gonna. You that need to get. You need incredible. to get some mouthwash and a mask. That's what you need. <laughs> I have a mask and mouthwash. We're gonna you get need better. What mouthwash? Yeah, we're gonna get you some hand sanitizer and a uh, uh, an emergency. That's what we're gonna get you. Oh yeah. Uh, Maybe all some right. multivitamins. <laughs> yeah, and a multivitamin. Yeah, we're gonna get you a Flintstones gummy and some emergency. That's what. That's what you need. Uh, I I eat healthy. <laughs> do you yeah actually i don't it doesn't I, work I, I would say i think every episode of this show you're like uh okay let me just wolf down my chili dogs no it was tacos and how, how dare you slander me i don't eat chili dogs yeah it was tacos and then it was chicken and rice last episode all right chicken and rice is not bad that's fine no, nothing wrong with chicken bad. and rice no nothing wrong with no. chicken and rice i put good stuff on tacos yeah like what Green onions. Ew. All right. That's that's healthy. It is. Lettuce is not Ew. unhealthy. Lettuce is crunchy water. Yeah. That's uh -huh. why I eat it. It gives crunch to the taco. More texture. Right, well, well, keep going. Keep going. What else do you put on it? Um, You know, meat that is definitely not horrible. Okay. Flavored meat? Did you season it? Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think I am? An animal? <laughs> if you thought I was opinionated about other things, I could spend the next two hours talking about food. Uh, okay, well, not going all to. right. Well then, T tune in for Jiraku's food podcast <laughs> coming uh, coming at FanFest this year. I'm calling it calling it in advance. Next episode of this show is going to be talking about the food in Eorzea, and everyone's going to have to listen to me talk. About I'm gonna we're gonna start Eorzea. the episode, and I'm just going to get up and go to the bathroom for an hour and a half. <laughs>
Let's rock. I, I, Let's rock. We'll just talk for an hour and a half. I was, I was on a podcast once where someone literally got up and went to the bathroom for 20 minutes. And I didn't. <laughs> wow. We'll just let him talk and then we'll come back for the closing segment. There we go. All right, everyone. That's where we're going to wrap it up for today. I hope you very much enjoyed uh, today's episode, talking a little bit about stereotypes. We also uh, added to our thirst down and, of course, broke down some of our favorite moments, both in-game and with the community in Final Fantasy XIV, because this is a very special community uh, and a very special game that we all have chosen to you know, make such a big part of our lives. And, you know, we, it's not easy making a podcast. It's really not. It's It's no shortage of work. And this game has been such a big thing in my life that I have made three podcasts about this game in my day. And uh, don't look up the first one. It's not important. Uh, the other two, though, I mean, I'm very proud of that. I'm, I'm very proud of the, the work and time that's gone into them. And uh, I'm very proud of my co-hosts here, Serena and Draku, who are uh, uh, Serena as a, as a first timer as a, as a podcast host. Draco, I know you've been on uh, a guest on a number of shows, but um, this is one of your, I think, first projects that has gone kind of gone the distance uh, oh for sure yeah so uh, you know i've been very proud to have uh both of you on as co-hosts so far i sound like i'm wrapping up for the season we've still got three more episodes this season are you, uh, tr- are you trying to tell us <laughs> no no not at all uh i think it's just because i'm getting ready to go on my vacation now and i'm like oh my god i'm not gonna see you guys for like a month almost oh you're gonna so. miss us i am gonna miss you, you too you, you you two are the light of my life oh wear our shirts in honor <laughs> i am i am you I am definitely taking some of our merch with us and it's going to, I, I I can't wait for some random woman in a Florida Publix to be like, is that, is that cat girl got her tongue between her fingers? I'm like, yes, she does. Does that make you uncomfortable? (laughs) This is the gay agenda. And uh, then she'll probably call the police on me, but (laughs) that's not the point. (laughs) I I don't think they will because I, Florida's real gay. Uh, well, then you got to tell them stop, stop passing a bill about it. Jesus. I know. I know. Uh, I'm going to do nothing but say gay while I'm down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, if uh, we uh, we do have three episodes left this season. If you are interested in a season two of the Warriors of Lust podcast, there is one thing you absolutely have to do, and that is tell us. Let us know that we're not wasting our time here. Let us know that you're out there, you're enjoying the show. Let us know what the show has meant to you. If it is, if it's inspired some good feelings, or just given you something to think about, or changed an opinion you might have, or reinforced an opinion you might have. Let us know that this show is is helping you, affecting you. If you want more of it, if we get to the end of twelve episodes and you think, eh, I'm good, you can let us know that too. Because you know what? At least then we're not wasting our time. So, uh, we we do hope that you have enjoyed uh, our first nine episodes of Warriors of Lust so far. We're very much excited to make the next three episodes for you. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got for us today. Uh, make sure you follow the Patreon at Patreon.com/Escalia. That is the best way you can directly support the show. Well, that's not even true. The best way you can directly support the show is to tell a friend, is to make someone that you know listen to the Warriors of Lust podcast and get them involved and get them into the community. That's the best way to help. The second best way to help is by going over to patreon.com slash Escalia. Money that goes there directly uh, supports the show. Um, we, uh, if, if you do become a patron, you get access to the pre-show recordings that we do every episode. And I can tell you from experience, they can be wild sometimes. Uh, Serena has talked about her nipples on multiple of them now. So, you know, that's, you guys that's, don't want to miss that. It's interesting. That, I mean, that, that's there for you. Uh, <laughs> in addition, uh, we, uh, you all get the episodes two days early. Uh, patrons get episodes of Warriors of Lust on Fridays, uh, whereas everyone else gets them on 
Sundays. So check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Escalia. Also, you can get some Escalia merch and some Warriors of Lust merch available over at streamlabs.com slash Escalia slash merch. Uh, check it out. I can vouch for it. It's pretty high quality stuff. Uh, I've, I've, everything I've worn is so comfy and soft. I'm, I'm really into it. And it makes me feel incredibly thirsty. So uh, I, I very much enjoy it. Make sure you check out your Warriors of Lust merch. That's going to do it for this episode. Serena, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the, uh, Purple Gothzilla. You can also find me on Twitch um, at Kieran Rose. And Jiraku, where can people find you? You can find me on Discord at 24characters, uh, hashtag 2535. Um, if you want to hire me to write for you, I work on commission, and I am happy to. Uh, Draku will write some filthy, raunchy stuff for you. I have and will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So no matter, uh, uh, get those kinks out there, get those fantasies out, and make Draku write them for you because uh, he will, and he's quite talented. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Escalia, E-S-K-A-L-I-A. Same name on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Escalia. And, of course, you can find me in the Layer of the Escasuals Discord, which you can find a link to on our Twitter at W-O-L-C-A-S-T-X-I-V. So check out the Layer of the Escasuals Discord. There is a uh, Warriors of Lust chat there. You can hang out. The hosts are usually pretty active in it. We'll, if someone messages us, we'll certainly reply. So uh, go, yeah, go ahead and check us out there. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for being here. We'll see you for the next episode. Until then, we hope you all have a wonderful tonight, a safe tomorrow, and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye-bye. Shadowbringers is best. The Warriors of Lust podcast is part of the Limit Break Radio Network, created by the support of its listeners, including patrons like Claret Corn. Views and opinions expressed in this show are solely those of Callie Page, Serena Hima, and Jiraku Drake, and are in no way affiliated with the Square Enix. Opening and closing themes provided by Karai Karoma. Check them out on Twitter at Karai Karoma. If you want to support the Warriors of Lust podcast, Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Escalia, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at WLCastXIV.